All right. Good morning. How's everyone doing today? Really? All right. Fabulous. That sounds good. All righty. Well, uh, my name is Jared McElroy. I'm a member here at Hilton Head Island Community Church, and I have been blessed and honored with the opportunity to come and teach uh, from his word. Uh, this is now the third time, uh, so, so obviously things, I, I haven't messed it up too much. So too much. we're going to, uh, so, but I will say today we have a ton of ground to cover in the Bible. So if you've got your Bible with you or you got your Bible app, uh, flip it open to Exodus chapter 2. Uh, we're going to be finishing out the series uh, that we've been in, uh, Change Agents. Uh, before we go any further, I, I, I just want to pray and just, and just give this up to the Lord. Uh, Father God, thank you so much for this wonderful day and this amazing uh, blessing and, and, and honor. Um, I just pray that you would empty me of self and... Uh, self-desires right now, and that you would use me as a vessel for your word and your truth, and that you'd open up hearts and minds to that word and that truth, and, um, and that you would bless us today by your word. And we pray all this in your son's name. Amen. All right. Normally, I have some like witty banter uh, at this point. Uh, it, but as I said, we have a, a, a ton of ground to cover in, in the Bible, and so we're just going to jump right into it, uh, because Todd, when he told me, when he asked me to preach, I was like, yeah, sure, I'd love to do this again, thank you so much, and he was like, well, you're going to be preaching on Miriam, and the first thing that went through my head was, seriously, you're going to give me the woman that got leprosy for talking smack about Moses? I'm like, I'm like... I'm like, really? That, that's, that's what you got? All right, all right. And so, uh, but it was really, a, a truly an awesome blessing to dig into the life of Miriam because as I started, like, I, I knew the life of Miriam, but kind of that one story sticks out in your mind. And what I want to do today is really look at the entire arc of her life and not just one or two stories, because what we find in Miriam's life is really a study in finding, maintaining, losing, and gaining that spiritual sweet spot in our lives. And if we were honest with ourselves, our lives would line up pretty well with Miriam because she goes through some spiritual highs and some spiritual lows. She finds herself at some points being an active participant in the work of God and God actively using her to speak to his people. And there are other times in her life where she finds herself literally outside of the blessings of God. And if we were honest with ourselves, our lives tend to feel that way. Like you, if, if you've come to Christ and it, your life isn't some, some straight shot to, to the good times, there's ups and downs. There's spiritual highs and spiritual deserts that we experience. And so as we look at the life of Miriam, we get to kind of look at this and, 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 and glean some, some insight from this. And so we're going we're gonna to take a look, like I said, Exodus chapter 2, because we're first introduced to Miriam in the birth story of Moses. Now, Moses 
is Miriam's younger brother. And she actually has two younger brothers, Aaron and Moses. And the birth story of Moses takes place in Egypt at a time about 400 years after the original uh, 12 sons of Jacob end up coming into the land of Egypt and are saved by their brother Joseph and then reside in Egypt and then have this massive population boom over a 400-year period of time. And then another pharaoh comes into rule that doesn't remember anything about this biblical character of Joseph, which if you're not familiar with it, read the story at the end of Genesis because it's absolutely amazing. You can catch the Broadway musical too, but I would highly suggest that you read it from the Bible specifically. Um, and so this Pharaoh comes into rule and he starts seeing this massive population of, of Israel and he becomes afraid. He becomes afraid because he, st- he, he realizes if another country invades us, and the Israelites join their forces, they're going to be the ones that tip the scale in this, in this movement, in this, in this invasion. And I could lose all my power. So this fear drives him to enact like, incredibly harsh, harsh rules over the, over the Israelite people. First, he enslaves them all and puts over them harsh taskmasters. And they are now, instead of farming their own lands and being uh, agricultural and, and business-minded, they're now slaves in building projects. But when that doesn't quell his fear or stop the population boom, he takes it to a much more drastic level. And we read that in, verse, in chapter 1, verse 22. It says, Then Pharaoh commanded all of his people... Every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. So so this is the the environment that Miriam grows up in. She grows up in an environment of massive oppression and just abject persecution towards her people. And that can do one of two things to you. That can strengthen your faith or that can shatter your faith. And so we're going to see what happens as, as we go forward in her life and in the life of her family. So chapter 2, verse 1. Now a man from the house of Levi took, went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months when she could hide him no longer. She took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the river bank. And this is, not, this is where we're introduced to Miriam for the first time. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. The first things that we, that we learn about Miriam are that she's a part of a family that is actively defying the rule of Pharaoh. Now, that's not actively defying the rule of of some government. Pharaoh wasn't just government back then. Pharaoh was God back then. And so to actively defy the rule of Pharaoh, not only would Moses, the one who would have been killed, have been killed, 
But that whole family, at best, would have been imprisoned, if not just slaughtered. So this family is actively stepping out in faith against the rules of Pharaoh. And her parents give her a mission to stand in the water and watch over her brother and to know what is happening to him. Her mission, her calling is to go out and support and nurture her brother. This is a, this is a calling that is actually going to ring through her entire life. But this is the calling that was given to a seven, six or seven-year-old girl early on. Now, as we, read, as we read more, verse 5. Now, the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrew children. Then Miriam, in an act of great faith and boldness and ambition, because I need you to hear this, for a slave girl to approach the daughter of Pharaoh is tantamount to suicide in that day. This is a high honor, high hierarchy culture. To have a slave approach the daughter of Pharaoh is unheard of, especially one of the Hebrew slaves that is so hated in that culture at that time. But she, she approaches and she says, she says to the Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew, from the Hebrew women to nurse the child? To kind of sum up the end of the story, the, he, the, the Pharaoh's daughter says, yes. And, and Miriam goes and gets her mother to raise her own son and the Pharaoh's daughter pays her to do it. So we have gone from a family that was going to lose their child to a family that is fully whole for a time and not only fully whole, but now is getting paid to what they wanted to do anyway. And so... So out of her boldness and her ambition for the right thing, the thing that God had told her was right, her, her younger brother was now going to grow up in a household where he was prayed for, where he would hear the stories of the forefathers and how God was faithful to them. And this would mark his life. Because of her, an Egyptian princess actively took part, unknowingly and actively took part, in a scheme to undermine the rule of her father. And then she gives the child a Hebrew name because the princess is the one that names him. Oftentimes when we read the Old Testament, we're like, man, that is... How, how did that work? Like, did, did, she go to, did she go to the mom and say, hey, what name should I give him? What were you thinking? Da, 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 da. Like, we kind of try and figure it out from a logistical standpoint. But God, 
even says it throughout Scripture. He says, this is how you interpret Scripture of the Old Testament. He says in Micah 6.4, the Lord says to the prophet, For I brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery. And I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Those weren't coincidences. That was the mighty hand of God working through a seven-year-old girl who was bold and ambitious for the kingdom of God and humble to her calling to be supportive and nurturing of her brother. And that's our mission protocol. We need to be bold and ambitious for the gospel and humble to our calling. Just like Miriam was. The next time we see Miriam is in Exodus chapter 15. And what leads up to this, at this point, Moses, Miriam, and Aaron, the middle child, are fully grown. And they're now, and they've now led the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of Egypt. And they're actively running away from Pharaoh's armies. And Moses splits the Red Sea, opens up, leads the people through. And what we read next is what Miriam is, is kind of, Miriam's in the full-on sweet spot at this point of her spiritual life. She's, she's there. She's in it, and she's, she's good. She's feeling it. Because this is what we read. After after Moses had led them through the, through the Red Sea on dry land and Pharaoh's army had been overcome by the water, this is what happened. Then Miriam, the prophetess, we need the prophetess. This is, a, this is an, a title God actually bestowed upon her. This isn't, this isn't some, some title, actually. It's, it's, this is a, an office that God gave her, where he spoke to her in order that she might communicate to the people of Israel God's truth. She was actively being used by God in his ministry to the people of Israel. So she has maintained that spiritual sweet spot that she found in her boldness and her ambition. And she's continued on into a place of leadership within the people of Israel. And it says that she took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang the song, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gl gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. What we see here is in the spiritual sweet spot Miriam reacts boldly and ambitiously for the glory of God. She reacts in her position of leadership to humbly point the praise of the people of Israel, and specifically the women who she'd been given leadership over, to the Lord. Because honestly, if we, if we were here, if, if we were 
at the, at the edge of a, of a river, and we saw someone split that river, and we walked through it to deliver us from slavery, how many of us would be tempted to actually start praising the person that split the river and not the power that did it? It's so true. But Miriam was being used by God at this point because she was, she was, as I said, in that sweet spot where she rightly and greatly proclaimed the name of God in this moment and said, glorious is he because he did this. And in this, she was also nurturing and protecting her brother. Because how heavy is the weight of a people that believe that you're the reason for their salvation and not God? How heavy is that weight on a man who is described as meek and slow of the tongue? But it doesn't last. It doesn't last. Like in most of our lives, there are times of, of ups, and there are times of down times in our spiritual lives. And in Numbers chapter 12, we see Miriam kind of lose that, that space. That wonderful space where God's really working in you. And you're, and you're out there and you're, you feel so open to his calling and his and his, and his proddings. I'll tell you what, I'm going to, the alternate mission to the mission protocol is this. It's when we allow our position to trump our calling in life from God, that is when we get off mission. And I wanted to mention that because you're going to see that is exactly what Miriam did. In Numbers chapter 12, it says, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. I want to point something out here. It's very significant that Miriam was listed first here. In the Hebrew culture at that time, Aaron, as a male, would have been listed first if this was just a story of the two of them. But biblical scholars point out that because Miriam was listed first, she is the ringleader in this. And that's incredibly important as we kind of move forward and we understand the rest of the story and the outcome. So it says, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only to Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? She starts getting a little chesty in her, in her, in her position. She starts, hey, what? What? Is it, is, is it just Moses that's a prophet? No. I'm a prophet. My brother's a prophet. Moses might be a prophet, but there are other prophets here. Suddenly, she's no longer nurturing and protecting her brother, whom, the, whom, whom God is using to deliver his people out of Israel. Suddenly, her mission is actually her position of a prophetess. So one of the worst things that can happen is when our position that God gives us becomes our mission.
I'm about to say something that is really going to rub some people the wrong way. So, so get ready. Because some of you are not going to want to listen after the first sentence. And if that's your initial reaction, I really, really need you to listen to the, to the following part because it's, it's very important. God did not call us to be Christians. That's the part that, that's weird, I know. God, that is the gift that God gave us. When we put our faith in Jesus' work on the cross, and he pardoned our sins, and God moved from being our judge to being our adoptive father. He said, you are my son's you are my daughters. You are Christians. Which at the time when it was first used meant little Christs. You are co-heirs with Christ in his glory because of his work on the cross. Your mission as Christians is laid out in Matthew chapter 27 pretty clearly. Go out to all nations, making disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Your calling is to be a missionary for the glory of God and for the gospel. Your position is a Christian. Where we go wrong so often is when we allow our position as a Christian to become our mission. And we forget that we're supposed to be missionaries taking the message of the gospel to those who have not heard it. Because what happens is we become the chosen few and not the church of missionaries and the church of people that bring the light of the world to those in darkness. Brennan Manning maybe put it best when he said the church isn't a museum for saints but an emergency room for sinners. That is what our lives look like when we get off mission. It's kind of, and, and here's the thing, it's defined, it's defined by when we interact with those that we've been called to mission to with pointed fingers instead of open arms. This is not the posture of a Christian on mission. This is. In Miriam's life, she got off mission. And, and God heard it, and God dealt with it severely. Verse 4. And suddenly the Lord said to Moses, to Aaron, and to Miriam, Come out, you three, to the tent of meeting. And the three of them came out. On a side note, I'm pretty sure if they had middle names, they were used at this time. All right? Like, I am, I am almost positive of that. All right? Verse 5. And the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent and called Aaron and Miriam, and they came forward. And he said, Hear my word. If, there's a, if there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in visions. I speak to him in dreams. 
Not so with my servant Moses. To him I speak mouth to mouth, and he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against him? Man, she lost the sweet spot. And God's kind of putting her back in place like, I, I brought you up to speak my word, to be a prophetess. I gave that to you. I make myself known to them. But I called you to support your brother. And some of you, in, in, in service to the gospel, sometimes the most important thing you're going to do is support and nurture someone else's ministry for the gospel. And actually, if you want to get down to it, all of us are, because the ministry to the gospel is done by Jesus Christ, and we all support that. Some of you, it's, it's, it's in God's economy, oftentimes we, it never matches up with ours in how we value our contributions to the gospel. Because we'll see... The fact that I've got a face mic up on here and stuff like that, people are like, oh my gosh, he's doing so much for the gospel. No. The woman outside praying over kids who, kids in the kids' ministry, who are praying over my kids right now, she is doing just as much, if not more, for the gospel than I am right now because she is nurturing and loving on the children God has blessed us with right now. Maybe that's your calling. I don't know. But what contributions you make are of higher value than you ever really understand until we get to glory. See, God had to put Miriam in her place because she got a, she got a little above herself. So he came down and he gave her leprosy. And, and Moses prayed for her and said, God, please heal her. And God said, well, put her outside, the, outside the, the camp for seven days. And then you can bring her back in. He basically gave her a seven-day timeout and was like, Shh, corner. <laughs> like, she needed to come back down. And that's what happens in our, in our lives is, is a life lived in the in, in the spiritual sweet spot is, de, is defined by, by deep, deep affection for God and, and study of his word and, and prayer and ambition for the gospel and for his kingdom. When you get off mission, it becomes about you. And to get back in that sweet spot, requires repentance. And God was just giving Miriam some time for repentance. You see, Miriam ended up back in the camp with Israel, traveled with them, and when she died, God blessed the nation of Israel with, with, a, with a spring of, of, of fresh water at a time when there was none in sight for the camp of Israel in the wilderness. You see, oftentimes we're, 
we can go through our lives and, and you can end up in that spiritual down, downturn and you're like, man, am I, am I ever coming back out? Oh, here's the thing. Thank God that he gave us Jesus Christ who never allowed his position as Emmanuel, God with us, God on earth, to trump his mission of being our Lord and Savior. Thank God for that. Because he humbled himself, as Paul says, he humbled himself to death, even death on a cross, so that we might be saved, so that we might be redeemed to him and brought into the fullness of God's love and mercy. Maybe, maybe right now you're, you need, you're kind of even just searching for a, a spiritual anything. You haven't even found, found the, the neighborhood of the sweet spot because you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ. I invite you to do that today because there's a longing on your heart and it's being filled by something. It, you just don't know what. But that longing is for, is for Jesus. It's for God. And that longing is to be on mission for the kingdom of God, for the gospel. And until, until you put your faith in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, that, mi that mission is, isn't even in the neighborhood. Maybe right now you're, you're in that spiritual sweet spot. Man, maintain through ambitious work for the gospel and humility toward your, toward your calling to be missionaries. Never let your position trump your calling or become your calling. And maybe right now you're in the spiritual low point and I invite you to, to turn around and repent and to come back into that spiritual sweet spot so that God might use you and bless you in the lives of the people around you and you might be on mission again. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this morning and for the, for the life of Miriam. But Father God, we thank you most of all for the life of Jesus. In that he was perfect. Where we fail, he is perfect. Where we get off mission and put ourselves above above even you, God, yourself, Jesus humbled himself. He humbled himself to the cross for us. So, Father, we love you. We thank you. We bless your name. We glorify you. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.